Well, hello again. It's Randy and Marcia Heckman. And, uh, you know, you heard the first program with Jim Dobson, our good friend. And now we're going to hear the second part of our interview that we we made with them in 1990. Those were those were the days, weren't they? But these are the days, too. They really That's are. The they are. In fact, uh, just again, a picture of of being with them before. Actually, we actually met them in Arizona. This is a picture from Arizona that we had. And uh, again, on that first program, we, we spent a little time talking about our family. At that point, we had 10 kids. And uh, we, uh, we, we you know, described what that was all about. Let me just see. And just again, to show you, it all started with just two of us, dear. 1969, remember getting married? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I was in the Navy. We drove to Washington, D.C., started a career there, went to night law school while working in the Navy during the day. You taught school for a couple of years and got pregnant that second year of teaching, didn't you? Yes. And that's when Michelle was born. Walter Reed Army Hospital in D.C. Isn't that amazing? Oh, and your life changes forever when right. you have that child. For the better. It was, definitely. Every joy or trial falls from above. So seventy. does it. Yep. So we described our story, you know, in 76. We had four. We were done. And you've had that prayer. God, if that's enough, fine. But if not, change Randy. Well, obviously he did, because 10 or 20 years later, 1996, we had 12 kids. What, what's funny to me is not only looking at all their fun faces, but to look at your face and my face. Do we look like we just had 12 kids? Give me a break. We no. look like, come on, this is fun. And it was. It, it sure God gives work. you grace every day. That's right. You got to trust him. Just cry out as you need him all the time. But one thing you're going to hear on this second program of, of Dr. Dobson is how they talk about how lives were impacted by our first program. They got lots of letters of people that said, look at, look at this pic. They, they send them pictures of babies. They said, as a result of your program, this baby is here. And people had vasectomies uh, uh, turned back and, and uh, canceled and reversed. And, reversed, yeah. Yeah. and babies born as a result. But one family actually um, mailed us about eight years ago. And again, time flies. It doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but they're called the Bontrager family. And they're from Iowa. We've never met them in person, but they heard our the rebroadcast of our program in 1994, I believe it was. And they were going to have just like two kids. And now they have, here's their picture, they have 10 kids. And uh, life as a Bontrager. They were going to have a couple kids till they heard Marsha Mia in 1994. And they actually travel the country with instruments and singing. They're the Bontrager family singers. And we got letters, so one letter from their youngest. I love this one. She's, Mr. Dear Mr. Heckman, thank you for speaking on the book. By the way, everyone in the family wrote us a handwritten letter uh, about eight years ago now. And this was from Rebecca, the youngest. Thanks for speaking on the blessing of children. I'm the youngest in the family of 10. And without your message, I might not be here. Our family has been able to encourage other families to have more children. Keep encouraging families. Oh, what a sweet. But the the, the mother right. uh, wrote you, Becky Bontrager. And uh, you, why don't you read what she said? 
because of the radio interview that you had with Dr. James Dobson 20 some years ago, my husband and I gave up our plans to choose how many children we would have. There were many times that I, as a mother of 10 children born in 16 years, was overwhelmed and totally exhausted and even afraid. But I can testify that every time I called on the Lord Jehovah, he was my strength and song. I have learned many lessons as a mother of a large family, but none as great as that of learning to trust God's plans. Mm. Truly, he has blessed our family exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He has done excellent things. My life would be so very different if we had not trusted God with our family size. With deep gratitude for the difference your message, the blessing of a large family has in, has had in my life, I want to encourage you to continue to proclaim God's ways and his goodness in Christ, Becky. Mm. You know, it makes me think of what someone said to you one time, you know, that you're going to have trials in your life anyhow. I mean, God brings trials. You can read in James chapter one. You can read in, I think it's Romans five, where the trials are, are designed to help us grow. Absolutely. And God is sovereign. And yeah. He allows things to come yeah. to make us desperate for him. But someone and, said, you know, why not get a blessing with the pain? That's, that was me that actually said that. <laughs> you said that. All right. And I was just telling that to uh, our 12th born this morning because they're praying for another child. That's true. You just, um, they are a blessing, but in its it's you can't just escape this is we're, this is not our last stop this right. heaven is our home Amen. and god wants us to look to him and trust him for what he has in our lives and to grow in it turn into jesus through us because we can't do it mm -hmm. we can't do marriage that's but we it. can that's it every day we need jesus amen we lean on him and, and i totally do but I, and i give you so much credit for our marriage for us staying close as husband and wife for now 54 years of marriage Yes, you get love for God's me credit. that oh, I do not deserve as I was up in the middle of the night Jesus <laughs> help me give me truth and you believe it and touching the hem of his garment yep. to live it out yeah to be Jesus to my husband mm -hmm. and it's not perfect but he has come through and he does yep so when we continued to talk to Dobson, we, you know, we had a great conversation. And then afterwards, again, they rebroadcast in, in uh, 1994, <clears throat> but um, it's kind of in toward the end of this particular program, Dobson interacts with Mike, the guy he's working with, about what happened after the recording is uh, he got a letter from Susie and uh, so Scott, two, two different letters, one from Susie, one from Scott. Susie is our fifth born, sixth, sixth born, born, sixth born, and Scott number eight. eight yeah. yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we got to keep that straight. Anyhow, and it's just interesting that they talked about that mom is pregnant with another girl or another child. And and uh, it's kind of just cute what he said. Maybe it won't spoil what, what the no, PS was. No, but they were excited. But they were excited. And what was born was Angela came around Christmas time of that particular year, 1990 it was. And there is Scott with Angela. He had actually hoped for twin boys. I'll, I'll share that. But he sure loves 
Uh, Angela, you can see that in the left. And and then the baby, 12th born Nathan, came along. And uh, so amazing. We had to pray for him. We weren't getting pregnant. That's true. Sent Nathan. What an amazing young man he is. Thankful. He changed our heart to want what he wanted. That's right. Because when you have one or two kids, you just... We don't, we just are sheep. We need our shepherd to pour in his will and Amen. heart, Amen. light ourselves in the Lord. And he'll give us the desire. He'll put his desires in our heart yep. to see that kids are a blessing, even though it's a ton of work and you can't do it yourself. That's right. But he wanted, he would tell me, will you be willing to let me use you to yep. have these children for yes. my glory? Yes. Was I a perfect mom? No, but these kids are his and he's molding them. And this is actually at Nathan, our baby. He's in the middle of the back uh, wedding, his wedding in Austin, Texas, a number of years ago. He and his wife now married and they had two boys and seeing if there can be more possibly coming along. So anyhow, all glory to God. Each one of them's precious, made in God's image and touching lives in ways that, that you and I just can't do. And we shared this picture as well just got together just a few months ago this summer in the Mackinac Island area and that's not all but most of the kids and grandkids so the 11th born would had just had a baby yep. a week and a half before so yep. could not come but yep. she would have loved to have been there and God blessing her she's had some health trials but she still trusted God to have her second child which is a beautiful baby girl that's right we should have a picture of her up there. yeah we should do that but anyhow we are thankful for each one and thankful that you want to listen to Dr. Dobson talk more about this issue and us talk with him about it it is so important see Jesus is supposed to be Lord of every area of our life if you're a follower of Christ what about the area of how many kids to have? Oh, well, no, that's up to us. We got to make that. That's a wisdom decision on how much money we have, how much space in our house, in our car. I'm sorry. If you go on those things, you, you probably won't have any kids because they're, they cost money. They take work. And isn't it all about me? No, no. It's all about God. What does he want to do? Are we willing to be totally surrendered so that he does anything he wants? Again, if you have medical issues, you listen to God. Some people do have those, but uh, if you're healthy, married, just listen to God. Listen to God. Listen and obey. That's still what we have to do Amen. in every area. Amen. Marriage, loving our neighbors, every area. Jesus guide us. Why don't you close us in prayer before we play the second part of Dobson's interview? Okay. What a privilege, Lord, to come to you just humbly. We are your sheep and we don't know things. But you are the way, the truth, and the light. Amen. And we just thank you that we've prayed. It's just so good to ask him about everything, really, mm. and just try to hear you. Mm. Help us to hear you in every area of our lives for people praying about this area now, about kids, mm. just to be willing to be willing and to, to listen That's and good. obey. That's thank good. you, God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Randy and Marcia Heckman flew out to California at the time that this was recorded. That takes us back to 1990 with their 10 children in tow, Mike and we. 
Mike, as you know, Randy Heckman had been a juvenile court judge uh, for 15 years in Kent County, Michigan, 1975 to 1990. And that's a prestigious position. Very few people walk away from the bench. Mm -hmm. But he did that in order to become director of the Michigan Family Forum. It's one of a growing number of pro-family state coalitions. We call them family policy councils that focus on the family is helping to organize. Uh, We don't direct them. We just help them get started. Now there are 31 states that have one of these family policy councils, and we have four more in development. Became the director of one of the strongest of these family forums. We're really proud of the work that's being done there in Michigan. But that was not the primary focus, again, of this interview. We were talking about what it's like to have a large family. By the way, Mike, as a result of this broadcast that was originally aired in 1990, there are a number of children who owe their existence to their parents having listened that day. I've been told that uh, by uh, several families that they actually decided to let the Lord uh, determine the size of their family as a result of uh, the the things that Randy and Marcia mm-hmm. said on that day. And uh, now they have precious children in their arms as a result. Maybe that will happen again. Well, as you indicated, Randy wasn't always excited about having a large family. As a matter of fact, he got rather depressed when he learned that Marcia was uh, expecting their fifth child. But as the family grew, his emotions changed, obviously, and they went all the way to number 10. And I asked him how that process of change occurred. It was a spiritual matter, wasn't it? Yes, it was. In my mind, I knew that that children were a gift from God and that this was, I believed, the right thing to do. And then I began to see how God was meeting our needs, our emotional needs, financial needs. So I began to see God's wisdom in this. And I began to think, too, as we talked last time, about the connection between abortion and our openness to having children and to realize that we really wanted to do what God wanted. But that didn't take away my emotions. When Marcia became pregnant with number six, I had the same sort of emotional turmoil, but it didn't Mm -hmm. last as long. Number seven lasted even less. Now I'm almost as eager as Marcia for for having more children. After you get past about six, seven, or eight, you realize this thing works. The hardest time, though, most people at home are thinking that are listening to this, hey, I have one or two or three, and I can't handle it. Well, let me tell you, when we had three, I couldn't handle it either. That's the very hardest time there is, is when you have three small ones. When there's two, there's typically one for you, one for me. You get three, and all of a sudden it doesn't work. And if you had ten three-year-olds, you'd go absolutely berserk. But the once, older ones help with the once you get up to four, basically, the oldest is pretty much old enough not to babysit, but old enough to attend to some of the care and, and offer their hands and eyes and ears to help the younger ones to you know, watch out for danger and so on. And as they get older and older, again, you never want to put the whole burden on your older children. That's not fair to them, but they share. My biggest question was, how in the world is there going to be enough love to go around for these kids if you have more than a couple? It impressed me. You saw Daniel earlier, our baby. He's loved by everybody. He is a wonderful toddler. I'm, I said by 2 o'clock this afternoon, he'll dismantle this place. <laughs> <laughs> he is Fine. built like a football player. But you see, there's just extra. People view kids as mouths to feed. They're, they're mouths to feed, certainly. But they're also hands to help and feet to help and eyes to help and hearts to love. Randall, the uh, abortion movement and what's going on must absolutely break your heart. It does. It really does. But what really gets to me is is 
that really the answer to it is our attitudes toward children. We don't have abortion because people out there somehow love to kill unborn babies, although that is definitely the result. We have abortion because people say, look, I wanted sexuality. I didn't want a child. I want to end this pregnancy because they have other priorities in their life than children. We Christians speak to our culture by those attitudes that we have. And I say that and they're we subtle. We don't even realize that yeah. we're out of harmony That's with uh, right. God's view. That drama is going on all across the country. Marcia, you have tears in your eyes again. Well, I didn't want it. I just was thinking, too, how when I prayed that prayer that day, it's like I would have been telling God, I don't, you know, what to do. I don't want any more children. And Susie wouldn't be there. And look at Susie. You, and Randall, yeah. you came closer to experiencing this, didn't oh, you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I was looking for any uh, excuse to get a vasectomy and, and pull the plug, as you will. Uh, I thought, hey, this is enough. We really need to do what other couples do at this point. You have the, the children you want, and then you decide when you're going to quit, and you quit. But God just, in his grace, stopped us and, and, and told us in our, our hearts, something's not right here. And then we just, little by little, have been able to uh, figure out what's this all about. And, and I really think this is such a key issue in our country today and the future of our culture. Each child is of infinite value and is a unique creation of God. All We've 10 years are totally different. Totally different. And I just, I'm, it's going to be so exciting to see what God has planned for their lives. They are going to help the future of this country without question in their own way. And I think it makes a difference how I treat them if I think I created them. Because I've lived like that, too. You know, we've been groping our way into this. God, should, you know, some people would come up and say, oh, are you wrong? You know, and say, oh, I must be wrong, especially when we're newly thinking these thoughts. And I think, yeah, I made you kids. Your attitude gets so angry when they're bad. It's like I was, I thought, I could have prevented this child. Strong-willed here, one. A strong-willed one. Instead of, this is God's creation yeah. here. It's not mine. It gives me a more a better respect for them. You know, we get to keep praying as we got criticized for this thinking. God, what are you saying? And he gave me that verse, if any man's willing to do my will, he'll know of the teaching, whether it's of God or of man. And we got to be willing. God, is this of you? you know? Secular humanistic psychology says not only did you make that child, but the way you relate to him or her after birth mm-hmm. sets the personality. So you're responsible for the personality, too. And God gets none of the credit. I, I uh, That is not true. I was there for the birth of all but one of them. One, they wouldn't allow me in because uh, we were too new to the town and they wouldn't let us in the hospital. But I was there, and you can see temperament from that very first first time without you any question. Yeah. But can I tie into this thing as it ties into child abuse and neglect? If we believe that we are responsible for making our children physically, what I make, I own. What I own and am displeased with, I can break or misuse. Child abuse, which takes so much of my time as a juvenile court judge, uh, including sexual abuse. In other words, if I have unmet needs or if I am frustrated with my child, I could have prevented you. It seems to me that the mentality that says that I own my child, at least in part, feeds this mentality of child abuse. It's an entire degradation of the value of life, isn't it? That's exactly uh, right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your experience as a juvenile court judge. Right. You, you have been a judge for 15 years. Correct. 
Uh, you've seen a lot of kids coming through. Oh, thousands. You love those youngsters, too? I Who do. are in rebellion, and many of them have oh, uh, been convicted of drug abuse and breaking and, and entering so, and other things. So many of these kids, of course, come from just deplorable situations. That doesn't excuse their conduct, but uh, I do. God has given me a love for those kids and for their parents. We have child abuse and neglect cases and adoption cases as well. It was a major decision for you to leave the bench, wasn't it? Uh, it definitely was. I was looking for any reason to say no to leaving because, again, I've had great opportunities in the job, both locally, statewide, and, wide, and even nationwide, to, uh, to have an influence. Uh, and so to leave, I had to really be convinced that I could be more effective in being part of this coalition uh, as compared to what I was able to do as a judge. What excites me also, though, personally, is to uh, get out to encourage the, the church, Christians, to stand uh, for what we, we believe, to practice what we preach. The government is never going to solve the problems of the family. Christians are going to ultimately buy their lifestyle. That's what we've been talking about in this program, part of it at least. Marcia, women tend to be a little more security and stability oriented than men, especially those that have 10 kids. They tend to think about the future and about their financial uh, well-being and uh, don't like change a lot. How do you feel about Randy leaving this prestigious judgeship? to take over a new coalition like this and having to forge a whole new responsibility. And we shared with you at breakfast, you know, that morning, how we feel about kids. And you just listened and you said, I just want you to tell the country about how you feel about kids. Would you come on our show and tell them? And something in me kind of clicked in that when you said that. And I thought, I thought, I didn't know what I wanted to say, but I thought, I thought, I want to be on his team. If he's gutsy enough to share this message with our country, I want to be on that team. <laughs> and I'll be on that team because I, I know that God's going to take care of me. I don't even, if he would leave our 12-bedroom house, I, you know, he'll take care of us because he's God. And he's, gonna, he's strong. And if we, especially if we tell the truth, he's going to bless our country because he wants righteousness in our land. And, Mike, as you know, I have been for the last three years calling for our listeners and our friends to get involved in this struggle to save the family and to preserve the Judeo-Christian system of values, even if it meant a sacrifice. And uh, what these folks have done is what I'm talking about. Sometimes it does represent a sacrifice. There will be less money for you all. There will certainly be less status. You're going from a position of, of dignity to a position where people coming from the other side are going to hate you. They're going to shoot at you. They're going to be angry at you. And yet you have done this because you feel God wants you to. Mm-hmm. And you remember, Mike, at the start of the program last time, I said, we're going to meet a superstar family. They're not perfect. <laughs> and they're not claiming nope. to be perfect. But they are superstars not because they've produced ten wonderful kids but because they're allowing God to control the major decisions of their lives. Yes. And that touches me. And I love you all. I, love you. Love you. I haven't <laughs> known you long, but that uh, breakfast we had together made as big an impact on me as apparently it did on you. And I just thank the Lord for bringing us together. And uh, I say it again to those who are listening. How comfortable are you out there? You know, as you watch obscenity 
and profanity and evil all around you. And as you watch 25 million unborn babies be sacrificed since 1973, and as you watch our schools begin to be infected by secular humanism, and you see school-based health clinics coming in so the kids can be taught uh, that safe sex is really the answer to the problem of disease, and abortion is a solution if that doesn't work. As you see these things happen, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and let it happen? I want to speak to the lawyers who are out there. Randy, you're an attorney. You could be making a lot of money. It's not terribly difficult for a lawyer to make one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars today. Certainly, if he lives in a in a city and he's aggressive and intelligent, he can make a lot of money. You could make a lot of money. There are an awful lot of attorneys listening to us right now. I hear from them. I know they're there. Who do not give pro bono time to the pro life movement and the pro family movement. I'm not throwing stones at anybody but the ACLU has incredible quantities of pro bono time free time given to their cause do they really care more about their agenda than we do ours to the physicians who are out there have you visited your local school have you made your time available to go and meet with PTA groups and talk to kids about sexuality from the Christian perspective to the homemakers who are out there Have you taken 15 minutes to call your congressman or your senator or the sponsor of evil television or participate in the decisions that government makes, uh, even from your position there at home? You know, have you have you been so wrapped up in your own duties and responsibilities that you haven't even made a 15 minute sacrifice you know, it's not until we begin to develop the attitude that you all are demonstrating and leading us in, you're doing a better job of it than I am, that we're going to save this country and the Western world. Canada's in the same mess that we are. And that's why I wanted you to come here and share your story, not only about kids and about material things, about your love for the Lord, but this great zeal to do Amen. what he wants you to do. Well, I really have hope for our nation. I think God has put it on my wife's heart and my heart to get involved in this. I don't consider this a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I consider this a privilege. Mm -hmm. I look at my ten children and I say, what am I going to be giving to them into their future and to their their peers that, that we're going to be giving to? And I'm thinking that God has not given up on our culture yet. He's put it on our hearts to become involved in this. I know he's raising up other people to get involved And it's got to start with us. I've got to look in the mirror and say, am I the husband I should be? Am I the father I should be? If not, God help me to be the husband and father I should be. Help me to get my life and my family going God's way. Never perfectly, but going God's way. Help me to encourage the people I go to church with to do the same thing. Help the people in our community to do the same thing. There'll be a fight, yes. But it will be built on a foundation of God's strength and righteousness. And and we will change this country, not by just putting a a shell, a legal shell over the top, but working from the guts, from the inside. It's going to change by God's grace. He cares about us, and we're going to see change. That is not only the hope of the future, it is the only hope. That's right. 
What a blessing to hear the attitude that the Hickmans have toward the precious gift of children, toward you know, raising their large family and, and being responsible parents. You know, I, I consider myself to be a responsible parent, a good parent, but I am definitely challenged by what Randy and Marcia have to say. You have three, Mike. It's not too late for about uh, seven yes. or eight more. Has we it? figured out what was causing it and put an end to it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that fits into the philosophy that no, we just heard. It doesn't, but I, I hadn't heard this interview when we made that decision. <laughs> well, they are a very special family, and I think I mentioned last time we invited all 12 of them over to our house for dinner. Uh, Randy and I played some basketball, and we just really had a wonderful evening together, began to get better acquainted. Uh, then they went back to Michigan, and I started getting letters from those children. I corresponded with a number of them. Uh, one of the letters came from Suzanne, who was about 10 at the time. And uh, she said, Dear Dr. Dobson, I'm very excited that mom is pregnant. The baby is due December 22nd. Pray for it to be healthy. I love you. Love, Suzanne. Now, Scott, who is just a favorite of mine, uh, Scott and I really had something going together. He was six when he wrote his letter, and he said, I love you. We're going to have a baby around Christmas. We're going camping this weekend with my dad. P.S. We're leaving now. (laughs) Now let me read the P.S. to Suzanne's letter, and then the final one to Scott's. Uh, Suzanne said, P.S., Please pray that the baby is a girl. And Scott said, pray for twin boys. (laughs) I didn't know how to pray for them. (laughs) I think Scott wanted to even the score. When he wrote that, there were six girls and four boys in the family. And he must have wanted to make it an even six and six. Anyway... Those two letters were written to me in the fall of 1990. Mike, you remember the book Cheaper by the Dozen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, hang on to your hat because a I girl, know where you're going. <laughs> Angela Joy was born to the Heckmans on Christmas Eve, December 24, 1990. And I'm not through. A son, Nathan Timothy, was born on June 26, 1993. So both the kids' prayers were answered, at least in part. Well, and, and the girls still have the edge, numbers-wise. They do at that. Uh-huh. You remember when I asked Marcia if she really wanted 13 children uh, during that interview? Yes. And she said yes. Well, her son David, who's now 15, told our producer, John Elmore, when he called to kind of get an update, that Marcia always answers that question of how many children she wants, that she wants as many as the Lord will give her. And he has given her a wonderful clan now of 12 children. Uh, By the way, Mike, they now range in age from about 7 months to 22 years. The oldest is named Michelle, and she's attending uh, Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. She's majoring in elementary education, and she's engaged to be married this coming summer. Uh, where does the time go? You, you, know? you know, some people have probably put their hand to their forehead and said, my goodness, that much of an age spread. How do they deal with it? But, you know, we have we, we have a daughter who's 22, and we have a grandson who's just three years uh, of age. And when he's around, he keeps us young. <laughs> so I'm sure those uh, younger children keep Marsha and Randy young as well. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.